Hello, people of Earth. Hello. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. No, who cares? I care. Welcome to our podcast. Thanks for joining us. It's a good one this week, so hold on to your horses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What's going, what's going on with you, Randall? I had a weird, weird thing that um, I've never done before. I had an interview for a government job. That is weird. Especially now. Yeah. I had a I had an interview for the census as like a person manager. Okay. Uh managing people in the greater Portland area taking the census and fulfilling census duties. So it's just a temporary thing, huh? Yeah, uh yeah. Well <laughs> until the census is fulfilled. A couple yes. years, yeah. Whatever, until next year, I guess. It was real strange because it Obviously, it wasn't at their office because they don't have a permanent office. So it was like in one of those workspace places. Really? They don't even have an office? No. Uh-uh. And if I got the job, I would go to just a, a regular government office facility that they have. Go to your facility. <laughs> like, yeah. And I wouldn't be working with anyone permanently. It would just be people that I actually hire. So hmm. it's very strange. And the people were nice. They were very nice. But I, I had this still kind of like feeling that like this is very much a government type of job. And it's like, you know, you're here to do your thing. And we go home at five o'clock. <laughs> I think that's the beauty of it. Yeah. I mean, I've never had a any job like that where it's something for the, especially something for the government. So I'm not really sure what to how to react to it. You've thought about working for the post office before. I have. I mean, I told you my dream job of all time is to drive a a, a train. Uh-huh. And uh, hopefully a like a commuter train like you know, the Max. You know, you could probably make that happen. We'll see. Um, yeah, I could make it happen, but, you know, I don't know if it's a real dream or just sort of a pipe dreamy sort of What about it is appealing? Like I said before, it's being able to call out stuff like the stops as you're driving around. In oh, the you, train. you got to want to go choo choo. Yeah. <laughs> like the guy that pulls the, pulls the thing. Would you be one of those drivers who is like, and on your left, we're passing the blah, 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 blah. Yeah. But I re- mostly want to do this. Are you ready? All aboard. <laughs> so basically I want to drive a train at Disneyland. You I do guess. You want to have a choo choo. Yeah. And I want to wear that hat. You can wear the hat. In fact, you could be now known as that guy that wears the hat. <laughs> There's enough of those around here. You could also have a parrot. When I was a kid, uh, I had a train conductor hat. When I was a little kid. That story's not going anywhere. That's right. That's where it ends. <laughs> I had that. What was your dream job when you were a kid? Mm, I think my realistic version was graphic designer. And my unrealistic version was Rockstar. Yeah. I forgot I also dreamed of Rockstar. My unrealistic dream was Rockstar, too. I mean, if there was some sort of roller disco need in the Mm -hmm. world, I was ready to fulfill that. So, like, if we were hiring a Dazzler, you're ready to fill that position. Ready and able. Is it weird that train conductor was my realistic job, dream job? Not at all. It's a real (laughs) job that still exists. Yeah. Things like that, and I romanticize that, like that, and a tugboat driver. Okay. Or bridge operator. God, those all sound boring as hell. Yeah. 
I think maybe my dream job is boring. You mean you just want to be able to daydream and think about other yeah, stuff? Yeah, like plan plan for the enjoying part, enjoyment parts of my life while I go to my George Jetson press a button job. <laughs> Your Homer Simpson job? Yeah, like uh, pull the lever, have a coffee break, pull the lever. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with wanting to leave work at work either. Yeah. Um, I've had trouble with that. Yeah. Leaving work at work. But, I think that's um, a, also a generational problem right now in the white collar industries anyway. What? People living their job? Yeah. Yeah. Do you agree with that statement? If you love what you do, you'll never work a day in your life. No, I do not. I feel like if you love what you do, you'll work twice as hard. Yeah. And you'll just be more stressed out. Uh, yeah, it goes both ways. But yeah, I don't think it's a um, cure all. No, love is uh, kind of like a way to take advantage of the workers in your office. If people feel like they are doing something so meaningful that they are in love with it, it's like, mm, maybe you can work 60 hours this week <laughs> instead well, that, of 40. That's great if you're doing something that's actually a noble cause or yeah. something that's close to your heart or uh, that you truly want to do 60 hours, 80 hours a week. But yeah. when you're doing it because... Uh, some asshole above you is getting rich. It's yeah. not so great. Um, we need really need you uh, to work 60 hours to make sure these electric scooter trackers work <laughs> perfectly. <laughs> Things like that. Important. Yeah. Also wrestling. <laughs> wrestling is going on this week. Uh-huh. We didn't even come close to watching all the wrestling that happened this weekend. It was There was an amazing... There was a bountiful assortment of wrestling events, but we only watched like one, and that was the G1 tournament. Listen, I got things to do, Randall. I can't be sitting around watching half-naked, handsome Japanese men. <laughs> I had a, This was like a first for me. I don't think I've ever turned off a wrestling event to start another wrestling event because I wanted to watch that one more. I mean, I've never done that before. You're truly drowning in an embarrassment of wrestling riches. Yeah. So probably we're going to watch more wrestling and there'll probably be more talking about wrestling in this podcast because of that. Oh man. Sorry yeah. everybody. Earlier today, uh, we talked about the participants of the G1 tournament, the new Japan G1 tournament. And I think you knew them all. Uh, not all of them, but most of them. There are 20. And how many did you not know? Mm, probably four or five. It's not bad. The subject came up because I was literally not able to sleep last night and I started thinking about a particular wrestler whose name I couldn't remember and so of course the first thing I did this morning was ask Randall who that guy's name is <laughs> which is a really it's telling about what's going on in my life right now that this is the most relaxing slash entertaining thing I can be thinking about who's in the G1 tournament. yeah instead of you know the world being on fire etc yeah um, who was that wrestler? Do you remember? That was Naito. Naito. Tranquillo. You should look up Naito if you're not into wrestling. He's pretty great. <laughs> um, he's about my fifth favorite Japanese yeah. wrestler. Yeah. He's in he's in good company, so I'll take number five. This reminds me, of course, that uh, we need to call out and let people know how to get a hold of us to let us know what they think of Naito. This is an all Naito podcast yeah. now. 
Uh, you can do that by reaching out to us on Twitter or Instagram at HBWC Podcast, on email at Happy Birthday Who Cares at Gmail, or text or call us and leave a message at 501 420 4292 or HBWC on your podcast. We don't have a P.O. box. On your podcast? On your touchpad. <laughs> Randall's got a little bit of a headache today, so Wow. A little goof. I took a lot the goof of goof juice. I took a lot of ibuprofen and I ate a baby Ruth. <laughs> uh, so Breakfast of Champions. That's a if I don't know what cures a headache. Uh, or if I don't uh well, okay. Yep. Great. <laughs> uh okay. I was going to say, we don't have a P.O. box for people to send us stuff. Mm, but we might need one soon. Uh, why is that? Uh, we got an awesome gift in the mail this week. Yeah. Uh, from listener and friend of the show, Brian. Uh, you can, can we give out his? Yeah. Brian is uh, at Umpqua, U-M-P-Q-U-A on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, I like his Instagram. Yeah. He, he deals in a lot of... Um, Vintage, vintage items and ephemera and uh he's a bit of a collector and a bit of a dealer mm-hmm. and he had been listening to the podcast and decided to send us some stuff yeah uh starting with well i opened the package and i got real distracted by one thing and then i looked over <laughs> and there was this other thing and the other thing was he sent us a original groupie pass wait wait was it original or was it a repro of it no it was original i asked him about it so it was an original groupie pass from 1985 for def leppard i'm sorry what's a groupie pass? Uh, this is one of the ones that the road crew gives out to the cute girls in the audience oh for a little after show party oh well that's nice it sounds like a lot of fun yeah i bet they have tea Uh, they're english yeah so um i asked brian about it and he said he got it well, it was kind of a long story, but this one was sort of new old stock from the pers- from the place that used to publish these. This was before computer graphics and... You know, from the company that makes groupie passes yeah, professionally as their thing. whole job. That's a thing. <laughs> because there's so many that need to be made. It, it must have been a company that makes all passes. Yes, they made all kinds of passes. And it, yeah. it, I guess this was from a warehouse stash. Yeah. This one features a pictogram that I'm oh, not going to say. Yeah. I'm not going to say it, but we should put a picture of it up. Yeah. And then you can identify what the pictogram says. And please don't comment and ruin it for everyone else. This was decidedly a less family-friendly version of Def Leppard than we have today. Yeah. Oh, we're going to see Def Leppard in August. Are you going to bring the pass with you? I think I should probably, <sighs> just in case. <laughs> hey guys, what if what if you got you did walk up with it and they were like, Come "Well, on in. we have to yeah, let you in." You now. have the pass. <laughs> Do you think, uh, like, according to the rules of roadies, you <laughs> the must, roadie code, you must be allowed in regardless of when this pass was issued, unless you're a dude. Hey man, whatever floats your boat. Hey, the, true. Would you think if you went to the VIP, they would autograph it for oh, you, I or they'd they be would. too? Emba- would they be embarrassed by I, it? I bet they would at least chuckle. I mean, I'm sure they see them now and then. I I feel like either it's going to go one of two ways. It's going to be like, oh, that's funny, or oh, remember those days, and they and then they tell an off color story, or just completely or they ignore just go. It. 
Next. (laughs) (laughs) And your entire VIP experience is an awkward standing in a room. They pretend like you don't exist. Randall, you're talking like you know a lot about these VIP experiences. I've never been at any VIP experience of any time any type whatsoever it seems weird to pay extra money to be in a momentary interaction yeah we once paid for one we did yeah we once paid for a vip at defy where we got in early and there was a meet and greet but i think we showed up too late and also i would be too embarrassed to talk to them for the meet and greet yeah we've seen like <laughs> musicians and wrestlers hanging around and stuff and you're like we can't talk to them it's i can't talk to them i have nothing nope. to say when i walk up to them it's just like i'm completely dumbstruck it's like i have nothing i go oh you're a person that's of fame <laughs> that's you should just walk up it. and say you're shorter than i thought you'd be I should, it should be a compliment. It should be like, oh, you're way more handsome than on TV. <laughs> or you're way more beautiful than on TV. quite a compliment. But you okay. know, like a weird off, off, yeah. uh, off the cuff. Backhanded. Uh, another, yeah, backhanded. Another podcast I listen to, they go to these things and he always asks the same question. Which is? What's your favorite movie? Oh. But he usually asks it of wrestlers. So it, you know, that's like a non-standard question for wrestlers. Yeah. They usually probably get wrestling questions. Do you remember when we went and saw the play No Man's Land? I do. Um, we went and saw No Man's Land featuring Patrick Stewart and Ian McKellen, Ian McKellen and also Billy Crudup. Yeah. And in the crowd behind us was, was Tom Waits. Tom Waits. <laughs> <laughs> We're like, we have better seats than Tom we had, Waits. We had better seats by like two or three rows than Tom Waits. But it was weird that we were in like this VIP sandwich where there were like super celebrities in front of us. And then at the intermission, I turned around and there's super celebrity behind us. It's very strange. I like that you think of Tom Waits as a super celebrity. I do. I do. Was someone with Tom Waits that was also famous? I don't recall. I was going to say Nick Cave. I don't know why. <laughs> that would have been weird. That really would have been something. Yeah. I don't know who it was. Who was, if uh, our friend Fifi, if you listen to this podcast and know the answer to that question, because you were there, who was behind us with with Tom Waits? Um, we'll wait for the answer off air. Thank okay. you. Okay. That groupie pass was not the only thing that Brian sent us. No, he sent us a whole package. Do you want to tell what, what it was or shall I? Brian sent us three teen heartthrob magazines from the month of October from 1979 and 1981. An issue of Tiger Beat, specifically the Tiger Beat Super Special. Oh, it's very special. Of 1979. Um, the unfortunately titled Teen Fever, <laughs> from also from 1979. And the world's worst superhero, 1981 Super Teen. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, of those three, the only one I've ever heard of was uh, Tiger Beat, of course. Yeah. But uh, that's our event of the for the episode. It's those three issues. Thank you, Brian. Yeah, thanks, Brian. So We're um, going to talk about teen magazines and other stuff. Yeah, let's get into it. So I looked up a little bit about the history of teen magazines. Uh, they started in the United States during the 1940s. Seventeen magazine. That seems impossible. I'm so, going to stop you right what? there. Why? 1940s? 
What were these magazines looking like? Well, okay, so Seventeen Magazine. Let me finish. Okay. Okay, so it started in the 1940s with Seventeen Magazine, and that was the first known publication geared towards a demographic of strictly teenage girls. However, Teen Idol magazines, which are something different in my mind. I think so. I think Teen Magazine's more like, you know, Beauty topics of teen. And, yeah. yeah. Uh, how to get rid of your pimples. and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Teen Idol magazines really came about in the 1950s. Uh, They kicked off with the popularity of Elvis Presley. Some say it started when Sixteen magazine was printing song lyrics, and then that quickly descended into, well, I wonder what it'd be like to be on a date with Elvis, or Pat Boone, or Tab Hunter. (laughs) I like that you phrase it as descended into. (laughs) It was like you could have gone with (laughs) Elvis, or you could have gone with Madness, one or the other. (laughs) A descent into Elvis. The madness of Elvis. Around this time in the 50s, there was a high school English teacher who thought a magazine geared towards teens would be a good idea. So he started one. His name was Charles Laufer. He started a regional publication for Long Beach uh, that was called Coastal, I believe. Uh, It didn't really succeed, though, until he realized that it was really only girls that wanted to read about celebrities and lifestyle. (laughs) Yeah. I think it's real obvious, at least at least the topics that he was picking, maybe. Maybe yeah. if he had picked a different topic. I think he like tried to make it about surfing and like, you know, nightclubs and things that teens mm. could do. But boys were not really having it. Mm. Okay. Uh anyway, he once he realized that, he sort of changed the format and then he changed the name to Teen Magazine. <laughs> and he had a hit on his hands. <laughs> After Teen became a hit, he left Teen Magazine and started Tiger Beat. Mm. Uh, That was in 1965, and that was right as the monkeys were starting to get huge. Oh, so cute. Which is perfect. Yeah. The magazine really made its money not on subscriptions, but on things like fan club memberships, posters, books, jewelry, tchotchkes, whatever they could. So looking at this magazine. The best things are the ads. It's full of ads. And it just occurred to me, are the, this is... Their ads? A lot of them are, yeah. So they're not, they're selling the, yeah. God, I always thought that people were like other companies making the ads and, but it was them. They were merchandising. Oh my God, I've been worked. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. So, oh, fished. I wonder how the uh, the licensing on all that stuff worked. I mean, I can't imagine they were just like, hey, we're going to make a Partridge Family pin today. and They probably did give money back because, well, maybe they it was part of it because they these people wanted to be in these magazines just to forward their careers, right? I, I did read something about it actually in regards to the Partridge Family. When that started to get big and David Cassidy started to get huge, this guy, Charles Laufer, made a deal specifically with them and that production company so they would supply photos and interview snippets and whatever, and it would just be a mutually beneficial mm. press relationship. You're like our pl- publicity arm, yeah. and then we make money this hell. Yeah. yeah. One, one thing I wanted to point out real quick about the cover <laughs> of Tiger Beat is it's listed as a lawfer publication four <laughs> times on the cover, <laughs> and uh, that's I don't know if an English teacher would have approved this, quite frankly. It's pretty good. I just remembered that monkeys movie we saw, apropos of uh, Head. nothing. Head, the movie Head. It's not good. It's real bad. It's extremely bad. I appreciate what they were going for, but it's not good. There were parts of it, honestly, that in 
retrospect now, I confuse with the movie Holy Mountain. Like <laughs> well, they run we, over in my we mind. We did see those like a week apart. Was it that close? Oh, pretty close. And then we saw them in the same place. But in my mind, I can't, I think of a scene and I go, was that the monkey's movie <laughs> head or Holy Mountain? Hmm. And I think a lot of the scenes that I'm thinking of like, Oh, I really like that movie head because of, Oh wait, no, that was, if it was slightly funny, it was probably the monkeys movie. If it was sex or blood, it was probably Holy mountain, but there was sex in the head movie too. Just a little bit. Oh man. Please, please watch, please audience watch both. these. No, don't do it. Write us and tell us which one was better. Actually, I do want to talk about, um, we saw midsummer this week. Oh yeah. Which, Speaking of Holy Mountain yeah, and the movie head, yeah, it was uh, really something stuck in my mind for a while after I saw it. I think I realized, okay, as we were leaving okay, it, right, don't no spoilers. Yeah, no spoilers. As we were leaving it, I was like, I got a real Holy Mountain vibe from that, mm-hmm. and I think it was just the colors. Oh, I disagree. I also no? got a Holy Mountain vibe from it, but it was the ritualism and the yeah. way it was filmed, and the thing that struck me was it was all outdoors for the most part and holy mountain had like very outdoorsy colors true pretty primary colored thing i would totally recommend uh midsummer not not the other two movies unless you really want to go for it yeah midsummer was um not for the faint of heart it is not for anybody in emotional distress oh god no. uh it's got some real rough parts it's definitely <sighs> horrific but it's also really well done yeah. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a trip. If it's you have quite a, literally a trip. You got to go in with your horror movie preparation in your in your brain. Like you have to be prepared for total horror. Like there's no no looking away. It kind of reminded me of if like Holy Mountain and Get Out and The Witch had a baby. Yeah, I could see that. Was it the same director as The Witch? Ari, whatever his name was. No, he directed Hereditary. Hereditary. Yeah, you're right. Not not the other one. Okay, anyway, so we're talking about magazines. Yes, obviously. <laughs> Teen uh, magazines. Yeah, so like I told you this Charles Laffer guy made a deal with David Cassidy and all them. When people like that started to wane in popularity, not selling so many magazines anymore, he was like, screw it. These people sent in these their family picture trying to be stars this one's cute i'm gonna push him for and he, wait what he would literally <laughs> he made his own stars so did those people have any career whatsoever they're just handsome just handsome or cute handsome and cute not actors not musicians just want to be stars wow when did this happen <laughs> that Sorry. happened in the 70s wow that seems incredible Apparently also Rick Springfield was known to have thrown his picture towards all these magazines at one point. Uh, to forward his music or acting career. Well, he didn't have either one at that point. So yes. <laughs> yes. Also, apparently Kevin Spacey came to a cattle call. I read that. For one of these. I I meant to go look up for that picture. And if I can find it, uh, I will. If we could find it, that'd be I amazing. absolutely add it to the pictures that go into the Instagram, but. Was Kevin Spacey a cute or handsome? I mean, I'm only aware of him as a balding old man, and now, of course, verbatim or verbatim. What is the word? What's the word? Don't look at me like that. (laughs) Randall's having a stroke. Verboten. Verboten, thank you. Do you think he was a handsome young lad? I think he's one of those people that, for real life people, 
they thought of him as cute, but in Hollywood standards, he's character actor. Rude. It's true. <laughs> All true. Typically, editors would get stacks of photos from a star's publicity department and hope that a competing magazine wouldn't be running the same photo at the same time. Oh, so like the departments would send the same photos to Just a to big every batch magazine. to everybody. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If a star did consent to having an actual interview with a magazine, the interview would probably be parceled out over months and months. Oh, it would it would be so important that they would only use a little bit of Yeah, just like a little page at a, of bullets at a time. Yeah, I noticed that the interviews in the magazines are like four questions yeah. with Scott Bayo or something like that. Some of the editors had rules about the profiles of teen idols that were featured in their pages. Uh, an actor or musician's bad behavior was never, ever discussed if okay. something had happened. But they still were in the magazine. They Oh, absolutely. Uh, girlfriends were pretty much never brought up. Any outside relationships? Uh-huh. I wonder why. Mm-hmm. Uh, and most importantly, there was a total ban on chest hair and facial hair. <laughs> <laughs> Man. Do you think there was some shaving involved to get in these teen I magazines? Do. Ugh. I saw something about having people button up if there was any kind of chest hair action going sense. on. That makes sense, yeah. I mean, these they were like in their 20s, some of these people. Oh, maybe even and 30s, older. yeah. But, you know, you're trying to be appealing to an 11 or 12-year-old girl. I saw Henry Winkler on one of these magazines. He's probably wearing a turtleneck in this picture. <laughs> Are you saying he's a hirsute man? I think so. <laughs> I love Henry Winkler. Please, if you know Henry Winkler, please introduce us. I would love to meet him. All of these magazines were all about the non-threatening dude. Yeah. So it was like Jason Bateman cuddling with Teddy Ruxpin or... <laughs> That's Matt, a very specific Matt, image. Matt Dillon eating pizza just like you or me. <laughs> he eats pizza just like you. Uh, readers were generally referred to in the second person to make them feel like they're closer to their celebrity crush, as in, uh, are you the kind of girl Leif Garrett is looking for? I yeah. don't even know. You know, I don't know who Leif Garrett is. He's on that one right there. I know, but I don't know what his fame is from. It's his hair, man. Is he a musician He's or an actor? He's a handsome dude. Is he a performer of some sort? I believe he showed up maybe on Happy Days as a singer at some point. So he might have been everything, but not very good at it? Or what are we talking about? I, I, do you understand the star making system? It doesn't matter what you can or I can't guess, do. Yeah. It's how you look. It's, it is. And probably whatever you can sell, that's probably pretty close. Too. Yeah. So first handsome, then talent. Then other. <laughs> then every. <laughs> The demographic of 11 to 14-year-old girls was described as shy, self-conscious, quiet, afraid of boys, and not into dating. Uh, the editor said, they're B students and not the prettiest one in class. That is so rude. <laughs> That's really rude. Oh, man. I remember all these magazines from when I was a kid, but when I was of the prime age to be reading them, the big ones were Bop and Star Hits. Star Hits um a lyrics magazine? Yeah, Star Hits is like a it's definitely music geared. It's not it's yeah. not just like Jonathan Taylor Thomas or the guy from whatever. Yeah. And it was actually an offshoot of a British magazine called Smash Hits. So I, think I heard of that one. Too. Essentially it was for the music snobs of thirteen year old girls. I don't think I bought too many of them, but I was aware of magazines like Kerrang and stuff like that. Right. And I guess that's sort of the the young 
metal fans appropriation. I, I remember know. there used to be a couple of other metal magazines, maybe less serious than Kerrang! <laughs> even. <laughs> but I can't think of what those are called right now. What statement you just made? <laughs> serious Kerrang! You know, less than less serious than Kerrang! <laughs> I feel like Kerrang is for like 17-year-old metalhead dudes uh. who had graduated from the Motley Crews and the whatever. Mm. But there was still... Shoot, I should have looked it up. Uh, not like uh, Rolling Stone magazine or any of those oh, no. kind of guys. Real serious magazines. They were mostly, pic- they were mostly pictures. Yeah, you got your Kerrang. <laughs> you got your Wall Street Journal. <laughs> All of the serious... <laughs> the Economist, yes. Kerrang. Kerrang. <laughs> Kerrang's a funny word. Is that the, like the noise of you dropping a guitar? Kerrang. I think it is. Besides those kind of, those teeny magazines, which I really didn't have any experience buying myself because I was very serious <laughs> as a child. What other magazines do you remember from when you were young? I read a lot of like Omni magazine. I was going to say Omni. Omni was one of mine. I liked some short form science fiction when I was a kid. So Yeah. Some sort of futurist mm-hmm. thinking of the future. Also, those covers were so fucking cool. Yeah. Speaking of covers, the other one that uh, I would always get as a kid was a heavy metal magazine. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But then often... Wait, it, did you actually get Heavy Metal Magazine? Yeah. That's for adults. Uh, it's fine when you buy them at the comic shop and they don't give wow. a shit. <laughs> I never would have dared. Yeah. We had some irresponsible comic books to shop owners <laughs> in town. Uh, I had a subscription to Games Magazine. I remember that one. It, it wasn't about games. It was actual, actual games. games. Yeah. I used to get... Ray Bradbury magazine mm-hmm. and oh analog, 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 analog is yeah. a sci-fi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, w- I was wondering if you confused analog with um, Omni. Omni. No, they both had they both had some uh, short stories, but yeah, I used to get both of them. I remember Omni more for like scientists writing articles about potential science, like is gene splicing the way of the future? Right. Is time travel possible? Yeah, things like that. Yeah. Um, but going back to those, the publisher's clearinghouse, you know what I'm talking about? The publisher's clearinghouse. So there would be a ad that would go around and then you could subscribe to some magazines. And I would always beg for Ray Bradbury and the other one was the Alfred Hitchcock magazine Mm -hmm. because they were full of short stories. And I love short stories as a kid, especially, uh, sci-fi short stories and, mysteries kind of maybe some horror in there i think that was a pretty important development in my life and then i always thought maybe if we get a couple subscriptions we'll be more likely to win the publisher's clearinghouse oh you think to get on their good list yeah like they're gonna go oh let's pick these people who have purchased a few (laughs) magazines from us unfortunately we never did win that publisher's clearinghouse do you remember scholastic book fairs yeah Definitely. That's one of those things that I had completely forgotten about until very recently. And those were very exciting for a child. You had like two bucks. You buy a bunch of books. Six books books or so. Yeah, it's awesome. (laughs) I I remember those books being real poor quality books, though. You Uh, mean like papery? Yeah. Yeah. Real cheapies. I don't really care about that. I just want to read them. Yeah. I like like a quality binding book. (laughs) 
I don't know why. I have a you ten years old with your yeah. rich Corinthian leather. I like. I would check out books from the library because they were hardcover books instead of the paperback oh, books that I could fancy. buy. Yeah. And then I would uh, forget about them in my room, and then I'd have to go. I had a couple of times where this happened, where I had like four or five books that I checked out from the library and kept out well well beyond the due date, and then I had to sheepishly go to the library and beg them not to give me a fine. We've all been there. I remember doing it one time, and the the librarian was like, yep, but you have to help me sort these books or something. And I remember thinking at the time, what a terrible punishment this is. But it was probably them trying to give me, inspire me to love books. <laughs> like, because as we were putting them away, it was like telling me about every book. They were like, she was like, oh, this is blah, blah. And this is about, it was like, uh, I was getting a lesson. And I didn't even know it. Librarians are great. Libraries are great. I am super lucky to have grown up around libraries and used books and paperbacks. As a kid, I think I went to the library like every day. I went there at least every week. Gosh, we don't go to the library enough these mm-hmm. days. You know, there's the internet now, mm, which is full of trash. Should be destroyed. <laughs> um, Randall, I was thinking about this, and I know my answer. All right. But who is your first celebrity crush? Like when you're a kid and you saw somebody on TV and your heart went thumpa thumpa. Well, I was thinking about this for a while. And I had to check dates to make sure it wasn't gross. <laughs> first off, the answer was uh, Dottie from Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh, that's a good one. What's it, What's that actress's name? Uh, is that E.G. Daly? E.G. Daly, yeah. Yeah, that was it. I remember thinking, uh, Pee Wee's a fool. <laughs> <laughs> she's the most beautiful woman in the world. <laughs> and she's right there in front of you. That's what are you adorable. doing? That's adorable. Uh, what about you? What was your first crush? My first crush that I can remember yes. would have been Apollo from original recipe Battlestar Galactica. Which one was not Dirk Benedict, right? No, the other one. But then as I got a little older and I was like, oh, I'm more mature now. I'm going to like the bad boy. And I did get a crush on Dirk Benedict. Me too. <laughs> who didn't Dirk Benedict is a crusher oh this brings up something uh, our friend Sam tweeted something at us this week Her, his name is Sam Hurwitt uh-huh. and I'm using his last name because he is verified on Twitter oh wow he's the only person I know personally who's verified on Twitter wow uh, Sam says so many thoughts on the first 80s sax episode aside from that the podcast is good and sax solos in rock are bad mm. Did we talk about Rick Springfield on the sax episode? We must have. I don't remember. I don't either. (laughs) I assume we did, based on this. Well, Sam says, my main association with Rick Springfield's acting career is that he played Adama's other son, i.e. not Apollo, the one that dies in the original Battlestar Galactica pilot. I didn't watch enough Battlestar Galactica to remember this as a thing. He and Jane Seymour were both in the very first Jane Seymour was not in the rest of Battlestar No, I Black. believe she died. I believe they both died. This, so, like okay. the two biggest stars die. <laughs> and then this, we have a TV show. This show is not a serious TV show, right? It's a kind of corny show. Battlestar Galactica? Yeah. It's as serious or as corny as Star Wars was. 
It was like what? Yeah, it was played for not played for laughs. Why do I visualize it as being played for laughs? I don't know. Maybe you should check it out. I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't cheesy and cornball, because it was, but it was not a comedy in any way. It was kind of serious. I thought it was more light, lighthearted, but well, you maybe know, I'm not right. I think you might be thinking of wisecracking Starbuck and his wheeling and dealing ways. Now, this is embarrassing. I just realized what I what, what are you I thinking, thinking of? of? I was thinking of Buck Rogers. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how I got those. <laughs> I don't know how I possibly got those confused. Did they wear the same outfits? They might have worn the same outfits. No, they didn't, but I remember they were on TV at just about the same time, so I'm not surprised you mixed them up. Both of those shows are a little too before my time, I think. Sure. Yeah. I think I'm just a little two or three years and too young for that. I get it. Um, I was very impressionable. I was like seven years old, and I thought it was the greatest thing ever. All I could think is um, Lauren Green, mm-hmm. and his hair was like shock white. Mm-hmm. He and um, Steve Martin are my <laughs> hair goals for life. <laughs> and one day my hair will look like their hair. But, They're some very handsome white, yeah. white-haired gentlemen. My beard's kind of going there. You are a silver fox. Yeah, I'm working on it. We'll see how it goes. I did love the modern later remake of Battlestar Galactica. That was a fun show to watch. I really liked the way it started. I could have done without the way it ended. Eh, I guess shows have to end. I, I'm one, looking at you, Dexter. At one point, yeah, Dexter, don't go oh, into there. the worst. I was just about to give everyone a pass on show endings, and then you brought up <laughs> Dexter. So I'm going to completely stop what I was going to say and just say, fuck you, Dexter. I'm just going to say to the audience, if you haven't watched Dexter and you're thinking about it, Mm. don't start. Just don't start. Maybe just skip like the last couple seasons. Maybe just skip the first and all of the seasons. (laughs) (laughs) If you're a Dexter super fan, I'd love to hear your argument as to why this is a good show. Did you want to say anything else, Randall, about teen culture or celebrity? (sighs) It's kind of terrible. I mean, it's kind of awful. I understand that people love to dream and need to dream, you know, but the the idea of manufactured celebrity always kind of made me feel off-putting. Like, I feel like you should first have a talent and then you should be famous for it. And your talent shouldn't just be being a good-looking person. <laughs> How about that? I'm, for, I'm more for equity and That's fame. That's very pure of you. Yeah. I know, I know that maybe it doesn't, it isn't realistic or it doesn't make any real sense, but for some reason it feels just like cheating that you're handsome and therefore you get to be a celebrity, you know? That's kind of how it works. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe no, it is celebrity. you're not wrong. It's just capitalism has infiltrated everything. I mean, what do you think about this? The idea oh, of it's teen to- celebrity? It's totally gross. And I think, and I think the, um. The idea that anyone who has reached any level of fame has not made a million compromises and sold out in some way is just a delusion. Yeah, 100%. What about those, like, we're going to hire a bunch of people to make a band? You know, like... Like the Monkees? Yeah. Or Menudo. Yeah. Or NSYNC? New Edition? Maybe? Yeah. I uh, Yeah, NSYNC and... Um, Backstreet Boys were also those kind of concerts. They were that one guy, that one gross Yeah, that dude. one creeper. But the, the horrible thing is, is that I think that B. 
behind a lot of this stuff, including Disney Channel mm-hmm. productions, bands, other forms of adolescent entertainment, there's always a creeper involved. Mm. They're it's creeper magnets. When I worked at Yahoo, we had a, a partnership with something called Rivals. Never heard of it. Rivals was like ESPN or whatever sports network, but for high school sports. Ugh. And the whole thing gave me a real creep vibe. I don't know if it's real or not. Like creep as in? As in like, look at these pictures of these muscular young boys, or look at these videos of these boys running around in this field, you know? It's creepy enough just like making that kind of competition for fame and glory at that age. I mean, there's a lot of like, is this someone's parents seeing some sort of missed glory in their life? Right. Is this the only way out of poverty? Right. Um, Are they sacrificing their bodies for a short-term career that may go nowhere or possibly a college degree they won't be able to use or whatever? There's lots of terribleness around that. Basically, it's time to burn our culture to the ground. (laughs) Just add it to the pile. (laughs) So we're going to be selling guillotines. (laughs) Oh, Oh, there's somebody in the door. Someone came to the door in the middle of the podcast. That's a new one. Um, Shall we wrap it up? I guess so. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you as always, and we'll hope you'll tune back in. Uh, please rate, review, and subscribe, and pass this around to your friends if you like the show. If you don't, stop listening, and we don't care. Bye. Oh, we do care. Who cares? Bye. Bye. Hi, you've reached the Corey Hotline. Four ninety-five a minute. Here are some words that rhyme with Corey. Glory. Story. Allegory, Montessori. <laughs> <laughs>